morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing here. This is Material 270. I'm your host, Florence Ion. I'm feeling weird today, and I'm joined here by my host, my co-host, Andy Anatko. <laughs> Andy. Hello. I decided to just make this completely, you know, just fumble through the whole beginning because that's where I'm at today. That's fine. And also, see, I just I, I just realized I forgot to close like the big window that overlooks the street because I'm hearing. But the reason why I realized that is that I'm hearing like beautiful, like uh, rainy street sounds in my own headphones, which I think will be actually like good room tone. I think it will be, again, for creating the a theater of the air here. I think that people will enjoy like hearing. You know what? That reminds me of. Listen, I've been thinking a lot about. And I know everybody's been thinking about this, too, and I'm really sorry if this sets anybody off. So I guess content warning for <laughs> for remembering what life was like pre-COVID. Um, <laughs> I'm just really, you know, Google Photos is that thing where it just like pops up in the middle of the day and it's like, remember this day seven years ago? And you're like, holy crap, seven years ago feels like a lifetime ago. And it was, in essence, a very different person. For, for a I was a very different old, person. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, seven years ago that I am now. And it was a picture of me on on one of the U-Bahn station platforms in Berlin. It was the summer that my husband, who was then my boyfriend at the time, you know, we went on like this big trip together. And it was like, it was a very, and you describing that rain sound. And then I'm just like also smelling it a little bit. Like I just, I can viscerally <laughs> smell it just from memory. It reminds me of just wet Berlin, like wet Europe in the summer, which again puts me back at, <sighs> it's been, it's been a quarantine summer, right? <laughs> it's been a quarantine summer. That's, yes. that's what they should have called it. Uh, they should have just been real with us and say, you know, well, just just uh, I I wonder if a, a few years from now we're gonna point to all like the really really awesome albums that got released in 2021 as uh, and things like that that oh well, this is the result of like these bands not being able to tour and not only that but being kind of stuck at home and with with their home studios with their and, feelings yes because <laughs> <laughs> that's how the you know that's how the real music is made it's with yes. your feelings um speaking of feelings i've been really trying to just keep things going in my ear which is actually not a thing that i typically do uh because i'm i'm one of those people who needs to work in like absolute silence or with like a little bit of white noise in the background. I can't have like lyrics or anything, but I've been really into, I I think because of the whole being stuck at home thing, I've been really into having long podcasts at a super low volume in the background, like, and on a speaker on the other side of the room kind of adds a little ambient vibe. The podcast I put on is usually like the seventh or eighth Real Housewives recap podcast and listening to that week. So I'm I'm at the point where I'm like, I, you know, maybe I'll tune in for a quick second and be like, oh yeah, that totally stupid. Anyway, so I've been having a lot of podcasts on in the background. And one of the apps that I've been using is Spotify. Kind of not purposefully, hmm. I just want to say, because what happened was. I think I had used Spotify for a story or something. Oh, no. It was when I was publishing Honestly Tech, and I was 
rapidly refreshing to see if the link would populate with my podcast. <laughs> and Spotify took that algorithm and ran with it. And I guess, like, I don't usually listen to podcasts through it because Pocket Casts for life. Thank you. Hi, Russell. Hope you're listening. <laughs> um, and I noticed they started suggesting podcasts to me. And I kind of was listening to our podcast in the app last week, just because sometimes I play it back that way. And it started to suggest all these other Relay FM podcasts and related tech podcasts. And it was all like within the network of how I would, you know, figure that suggestion <laughs> engine would work kind of situation. Right. Um and so I kind of started to look into it. I'm sorry, this is turning into a lot longer story than I meant for it to be. <laughs> no, no. But because it's, I'm realizing that I've actually been looking into this a lot more than I thought I was. So I started to go kind of down a rabbit hole. And again, the Google News feed always serving me up content to read when I feel like thumbing through something. And I started to read just kind of about how people are feeling about Spotify becoming this podcast center. And I guess the reason it really stuck out to me is because we've been talking a lot about Google podcasts and how it could do better and how Google could leverage, you know, all that search engine magic to make something for us. And then we had our whole Gibby Gibby Bush experiment. And it just kind of showed how like these podcasts were being indexed for search. And, and then I just saw that Spotify is just doing it. And I'm like, is this, I don't know. I, I, slightly losing my train of thought just because there's a lot like coming at me, but <laughs> I just don't know how I feel about this all in one situation that's happening here with Spotify. And it's just making me think about the way, you know, Google play music is turning into YouTube music and podcast is a separate thing, but podcast is also going to be available in this app. And then Spotify wants to have all these exclusives and I'm just getting the world. Yeah. The media, the way we're consuming podcasts and consuming music is changing so rapidly. And I guess whenever I see these new things happening inside apps I use every day, I get a little taken aback because I'm like, oh, that's right. The world is moving forward with this idea. Um, and I and I don't know how I feel about Spotify really trying to I, it makes sense that they would try to leverage it. Sorry, I use such a corporate buzzword there, <laughs> but it makes sense that they would try and, and no, no, take advantage of it. Um, I just want to bring up one quick thing, though. The reason that this kind of stuck out to me is because as I started to kind of look into it, I found this story. So um, I don't actually know who this is, but I have a feeling some people might. So Joe Budden had this podcast exclusive, and I, I put a link in our show notes, so there will be a link. Um, it's, a, it's an article from Variety. And he had a two-year exclusive run for the Joe Budden podcast with Rory and Maul on, um, on Spotify. And I guess it turns out that he's leaving the Spotify network for whatever reason. And there was this particular quote, and I, I actually don't, I don't know if I saved it or not, but it was just something about how Spotify is the kind of company that is, this is not a verbatim, but the idea was Spotify kind of jumps on the bandwagon of what is trending with people and the way that they're listening versus trying to make a platform for creators. And I was just thinking about how that is setting the tone for 
podcasting going forward. Anyway, so this is all just to say, Andy, there's a lot going on with podcasting while we're stuck at home. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, there, there are a lot of good quotes in here. He's saying, uh, I'm quoting here, Spotify never cared about this podcast individually. Spotify only cared about our contribution to the platform. Uh, yeah. But an added that his talk show had been, quote, undermined and undervalued, unquote, pointing to a recent deal with Bill Simmons, the ringer for 250 million, he's, which he said was, quote, actively pitting these signings against us. Uh, Button accused Spotify pillaging his audience as a way to build up its broader podcast strategy. Quote, you pillage the audience from the podcast and you've continued to right. pillage each step of the way without any regard, unquote, for the listeners, unquote. And he <laughs> God, as, as if that weren't bad enough, he compared Spotify's podcast business to his experience in the music business. And it's such a it really is such an important point to make. And it's not even exclusive to uh, podcasting. The uh, The idea that Spotify wants to acquire these podcasts, not because they think, wow, this is a this is a great uh, team of creators. They produce a great show that that makes us look good. And something that we would love to be associated with and we feel as though we can make a lot of money with. It's that we don't have enough listeners who are associated with this, this genre. And if we can bring in everybody who listens to him and then switch that audience over to something that's more profitable for us, that will work well for us. And I, I'm, this is on my mind because um, Yelp was uh, the, the Yelp has been doing some something really really shady where um, again they've been yeah exactly <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, a re recent one or at least one that I've recently learned about where they're trying to they're trying to convince like businesses and restaurants no 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 don't don't use your real phone number in this listing use this phone number that will provide for you and that way we can help to monetize mm. and track things for you mm. when of course obviously the point is that well if you've, you've been doing you were stupid enough to do this for two or three years now nobody knows what your real phone number is only yelp knows what it is and so if they decide that they can make more money with referrals to this other restaurant they'll simply give that phone number to another restaurant it's no, i'm saying i've I, that's no i know that's, i'm that's just pretty my, obvious my, yeah it, it made me react because it was it was like i didn't even think about that yeah that's 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 why there's there's always pushback isn't there where where uh, we seem to be living in a really cool world in which uh there are uh, there there are people that i whose work on youtube that i really really enjoy and they're doing really really good work in whatever f category whatever topic they've chosen and the great thing is that they they're not they're not like it's not as though they have a contract with nbc or con contract with a record company where these companies are controlling their access to an audience it's that they build their own audience and if uh and if uh techmon or the project binky team or bernadette banner were to decide to i'm going to go 100 patreon i'm going to post all my videos on patreon they would probably take a hit but all of their audience would come with them they're, they're not they're not dependent on anybody for uh, for a platform because that's they have a direct connection to the people who support their work and it's it, that will never that will never cut cut wood with 
uh, companies who are like, no, 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 we need to make sure that we have more control than the actual creators, because otherwise, how can we possibly stiff them the money that they are absolutely owed? How can we how can we avoid uh, paying them the money that they uh, that that they reflecting the value of what they create and what they contribute? So it sucks that there are these kinds of situations um we can i i can joke and say that if that spotify can abuse me in this way however much they want if they give me 250 million dollars for two years of work i don't think that's joe button's payout but that's he's he's mentioning that somebody's getting yeah bill simmons uh but yeah for 250 million yeah i'll I I see I I've even been on record in the past as saying that I'm not saying that as a journalist that I'm uh, that I can't be bought. I'm just saying that my price is you have to pay me off to such an extent that I will never have mm-hmm. to work another day exactly. in my life. Exactly. I same sentiment. Yes. See, I, see, I, I have <laughs> I, I have like uh, both of my grandfathers were immigrants from very very poor situations. And I and if I if and if like uh, if Google said, hey, we'll give you 20 million dollars if you write a really great article praising YouTube music and about how great it is (laughs) and how the integration is incredible and absolutely everything that everything should be doing. See, if I even hesitated, both of the, the spirits of both of those grandparents, one of whom actually herded goats in the mountains would just smack me with their woolen caps and say twenty million dollars. What the hell are you doing? Take the money. And I, and see, also my 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 other justification would be that I feel as though if people if people my readers came at me and saying how did wow you really sold out, I would say I really really did. I sold out for twenty million dollars. That's. <laughs> I feel like this is a good segue because we were just talking about YouTube music and I know, I mean, I had brought up Spotify too because Andy, you said you've been dabbling with some Spotify and, you know, I've just been thinking about all this move from Google Play Music. So are you into it? How are you yeah. feeling? Um, I, uh, yeah, I like it. Um, you like, for- do you like the color scheme? Like, how's the green making you feel? Because I never liked the green. I can I can get used to the green. Also, also okay. given that I spent most of my childhood staring into like green text on a black background. Okay. My Apple All right. Okay. Maybe there is some sort of nostalgia involved there. What what I'm really focused on is the lack of suck, at least on the surface of it. Now, uh, the the suck associated with YouTube music, its surface. But it also goes like down layer, 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 layer to like the magma layer to the where it's just you know where the the, the point at which the 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 earth it's is just one spinning land. ball of, of molten iron. That's how deep it goes. Mankind, okay. humankind cannot tunnel deep enough to okay. verify it. But Oof. I have math proving that this is so. For instance, I uh, I I had already I had already you know decided that there's no way in hell that I'm making the transition to I'm I'm going to keep. YouTube music as like my primary streamer. And so the last thing I really had to do was, Oh, that's right. I did buy some, uh, some music through uh, from, from the Google play store. Uh, I'll just have to download it. And there's no, there, there is a, the good news is that, that Google play music gives you an automatic pod, uh, automatic playlist of music that you've purchased music that you own, but there isn't just a little like item under the dot, dot, dot menu saying, download all of this stuff. 
there is a tool that if you go that's to terrible. if you go to the help system, oh, there's a tool. That okay. says there, there's an app that you can download for Windows and Mac that supposedly will let you is for like bulk transactions, uploading and downloading, whether you're syncing like your music or whatever. Uh, but apparently, it hasn't been updated since the Bush administration, and not necessarily George Bush Jr. administration, because when I launched it on my Windows laptop. It opened in this tiny, 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 like, app, iPhone Model 1-sized, like, window uh, and asks for my Google sign-in. And I can barely read it, but I can read it. But it's, uh, but it's, it starts off by, by hitting me with a reCAPTCHA. And number one, the... It's very Google, yes. Instead of the reCAPTCHA image, there is just a... there There is a standard web cannot locate this image resource icon and so okay well i'll just click on the speaker icon so it'll like use the it'll say it out to me and you click on that and nothing happens so even so my only recourse now is to go one by one by one by one and download oh yeah I'm I'm about a third of the way through it, mostly because I have to stop to every I have to stop every after every download to just see a little bit. I I can't I can't get over how much this thing sucks from start to finish, top to bottom. It is nowhere near ready to what replace anything. What are people anything. supposed to do who don't have like the time or resources to do this sort of thing? Like you paid all that money for this music. I it's just I'm um. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this for a while. Yeah. This is going to sting as badly as when they took Reader away from us. Remember, you know, they took Reader away. We (laughs) still were like, remember when they killed Reader? And like we say it as kind of a joke, but we say it because anybody who's like was into online living at that time when Reader was around knows what a loss that was to just the daily ins and outs of being on the Internet, of being an Internet person. And so now... As Android users, people who bought into this because we didn't have an iTunes, because it was kind of sold as our iTunes. You know what I mean? The yeah. iTunes is to iOS, but Google Play Music was to Android. And and now it's just this, this absolute mess. And I feel for the people who work on this because, you know, the last thing you want to hear is that all this hard work you've done is you know, people aren't satisfied with it. Um, But it also is frustrating because I see companies like Spotify and all these other, you know, music managers, and it's starting to get so... I think the reason I wanted to bring that sort of podcast anecdote to the podcast here is because I'm seeing how... um, What's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, It's just... There's only a couple of choices these days of how you can consume music. And I just find that I find that very anti-consumer, quite frankly, that's yeah, and, and, going to say it. And none of them are real, <laughs> real head and shoulders. I, I will say that I, I have been enjoying Spotify in that. I do think that it's, uh, it still has the same problems that all subscription, all mainstream subscription music services have where it, uh, it's not just there to play the music you want. It's there to somehow wheedle you into playing music that is trying to market uh, or try. It's and it's not every as ba- time I launch Spotify, it tells me like all these new hits that were announced. And I'm like, listen, yeah. I'm past the age where I care. 
you need to just give me like what I logged in here for. And you know that I'm just like right now I'm really into this album. So just give me this album. All and I, but, related. But all I can say about Spotify is that at least it's not it's not as baffling and frustrating to if I'm in a mode where I want to listen to the album that I added yesterday that I didn't have time to listen to when I added it yesterday. Where is it? At least I can find that very, very quickly when I launch True. the app. And so True. that's and so that's a good thing. But I'll say so now I'm I'm a paid subscriber to Spotify, but I'm also in the in the midst of looking at lots of streaming services. I am now a paid subscriber to a service that I might have heard of last year but never did anything about. It's called Prime Phonic. And it oh, is a when class- I saw that in the notes, I thought you were just giving Amazon some sort of Oh no 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 name. no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they probably had they probably had some like trademark hassles and they credit but this is a a streaming music service specifically for classical music and opera oh, and stuff how like nice. that and part and part of it is that it has a large it, it has more of the it has a deeper library like the independent like sort of labels that uh mm-hmm. it's it's easy to get an album by Joyce Didonato or uh, uh, uh or uh Dana Domrau, like these super, super, super megastars, because they're kind of they're opera, but they're kind of mainstream because they're so popular. But it's when you get to like Stephanie Blythe and uh, Alice Foote and these others that I only discovered because I happened to see a show that they were in and then Googled around and it turns out there's right. a, they did a couple of really good things for independent labels. There is a, there is a bit of that. But the big deal for me is that it uh, it understands that classical music is different from uh, regular pop music mm-hmm. where i mean if you if you want to listen if, if you want to listen to a beatles album like abbey road is it's abbey road it was recorded by the beatles boom full stop whereas if you have uh, like an opera recording okay is it a mozart album is it a berlin philharmonic album is it an album by this conductor? Here are like two, three, four, five different superstar performers on there. So again, is it a Joyce DiDonato album? For the listener, it might be any of these things. So just the simple act of not of being flexible enough that uh, that it really regards each of these elements as feeding off of each other to the extent of saying, oh, well, this conductor has worked a lot. Here are like eight different people that this conductor has worked a lot with. So it's as it happens. I, well, okay, I, I am classical music and opera riffraff. Uh, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not Fraser Crane by any means, but the, the way that I find new music in classical and opera is that again, I'll, uh, I, I saw this opera because Joyce DiDonato, uh, is, was starring in it. And, uh, through that, and a uh, one one of the co-stars was Stephanie Blythe, another mezzo soprano that I'd never heard of. But oh my God, she was wonderful. And so my next thing is, okay, well let's see what Stephanie Blythe has done. And Stephanie Blythe has done this amazing this amazing roster of work. And through her, like oh, she's recorded a lot of Handel. I've never really listened to Handel before. That's the, that's the sort of stuff I'm talking about. Where again, a Beatles album is a Beatles album. It's not oh. Gee, I've this Abbey Road title was really, really rather smashing. Uh, I wonder if what I, it's kind of got me interested in other pop music of the late '60s. Or, gosh, I wonder what the Mersey Sound Beat artists are in, right. the, in that category. Or, gee, who else has John Lennon recorded? This with? is very, this is very much a subscription service for a very for a niche genre. 
And I think it's wonderful that there are these little uh, services coming out of this kind of movement because, you know, I I share this kind of parallel journey with you, Andy, because I subscribe to like Digitally Imported, which has like a lot of dance music of different yeah. genres. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I kind of get my fill of that because I'm not going to really a lot of times I'll try to look for stuff that I hear on digitally imported on Spotify and it's not available. Yeah. And usually because it's like, it's like a band camp. Like, you know, it's like this small, this, this dude in his apartment in Berlin that put out, you know, a, a mix of something. And, you know, um, I think we're going to see a lot more of these and I'm really happy for them. And I should also note that I was on this, I was on the prime phonic site and by the way, phonic is spelled P H O N I C. We'll put a link for this in the show notes and they have like a whole thing about fair payout. Um, you could pay for high res audio. I mean, especially if you're into classical and opera, I mean, you want, you want that high resolution. You don't want just something, you know, compressed and i can i can i can confirm that it's not it's not always that it becomes a problem but a a a coloratura soprano will make any well (laughs) and that's why you go in person you go in person to see these things because of the way it sounds that's why acoustic you know i get it and i think that I didn't mean for us to have a whole inside baseball conversation about, but I'm kind of glad we did because I think it also informs our own journey as podcasters. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, it just, if, if nothing else, it shows you. I, I really wish that smaller subscription services weren't being squeezed out by the big three yeah, or the big four, however you want to count it. Because I, I, I imagine, uh, imagine uh, a imagine if every single important genre of music had at least one subscription mod, subscription service associated with it, where it's For the real uh, fans. Yeah, where, where where it's like, well, yeah, exactly. Where it's like hip hop is not just a demographic; it is almost like a radio station where the people who are working with this. Did you hear that? Spotify hip hop yeah. is not a demographic of podcasters. <laughs> Yeah, see that's 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 the sort of thing. It's just, oy. but so um, so I'm so yeah. I'm annoying the neighbors with a whole new like, <laughs> for with multiple new types of albums and 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 stuff. I will still I will still, however, continue to like buy CDs that I really really like. Uh, actually, had actually had I know we have to go go to commercial soon, but uh, I actually had an, an interesting bonus where like I'm used to. Uh, uh, I often buy uh, CDs from ebay like in batches mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i'll be looking for one album and then i'll find the seller I'm sorry is-, is this 2020s bmg music uh catalog you know you know back in the back in the 90s you get the music catalog and it'd be like 20 cds for oh, oh, one okay. cent the columbia rec <laughs> columbia tape and record club sorry in my, ge- columbia. my generation okay right. i got the but but like it's it's such a it's such a buyer's market that uh, that's like unless it's a really really popular like new cd it's likely this this company has like tens of thousands of CDs, and if they feel as though they're paying too much for warehousing, it's like okay, here's a list of two thousand CDs. You can take like any five of these for twenty bucks, and so one of the one of these CDs I was looking for was in that. So I'll get like f- find three or four others. So I bought this like Natalie Desay CD, um, and the C- the image the album art in the listing was just like a stock image that they got from like Amazon or somewhere. So they didn't show the actual CD cover. So I got the CD today, and it turns out it is actually like autographed by international opera star Natalie Desay. 
And I don't know. I, that's that's not necess- that's not necessarily like, oh my god, I can sell this for eighty million dollars. But no, it's like, it's just oh. super cool. And now you have an autographed CD. Yeah, and, and but well, I, I have the autograph. I'm glad, but it means that I'm I'm ordering like a frame for it because um, I I think I know how this turned up in somebody's like ten thousand like inventory, probably because like somebody like got this signed by Natalie to say at a signing or something. And then kind of forgot. Then kind of forgot about it. And then they have this box of CDs. They oh gee, I don't even listen to CDs anymore. Like my mind just like donate this to the library or whatever. And then you're like, ah, that's yeah. right, it's by Natalie. So I and that I, I can totally. It's important to go through life knowing exactly what you're capable of doing, like the mistakes you're capable of making, and le- leaving a cell phone behind somewhere. Not likely. I'm. It's not something I'm likely to do. To the mm-hmm. extent that if I can't find it immediately in my house, I will assume it's just somewhere in the house. However, that the, the thing of like taking an autograph CD and just forgetting it's autographed and putting it in a pile of stuff and then giving it away—that's something I'm capable of doing. So, <sighs> well, uh, should, we, should we should we wrap up? Uh, we uh, the the before we go, the uh, wrap up our bonus episode uh, post episode. Benchmarking. Yes. So Elf- if if those of you who are faithful members uh, tuned in, you will know that we published a bonus episode this week, which you can get by becoming a member of the Relay FM network at relay.fm slash material for us. And there's a link there. You can follow that link, become a member, get perks, including bonus episodes. And on the bonus episode, which we recorded this last weekend, um, we did a bunch of uh, we did a bunch of computer maintenance. Let's just say yes. We, we basically we 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 power we power washed our Chromebooks for the first time after like two or three years, uh, and did some benchmarks to see like if they would actually wind up being faster or not. And so I'm um, you can get the whole story, which is fascinating because it basically in, instead of us going from like an outline or a script. We just had the mics open while we did this thing and, and talked for like an hour and a half. Uh, but but use but also useful handy information. Um, I'm the only disappointment that I had was that I really thought that after uh, after three years, two or three years, there was enough cruft in my operating system that I'd see this huge leap in performance. And it's kind of hard to notice any leap in performance. I've been running the same benchmarks. And maybe it's because I'm I haven't run like web based benchmarks in so long that I don't know how the benchmarking works. Right. I will I will say, if nothing else, the fact that I've removed every app, every file, everything that I don't actually like need on this Mm -hmm, thing. mm -hmm, And I'm mm -hmm. starting off like with a fresh file system uh everything because uh of course uh, chrome os backs up everything except for what's in the downloads folder uh but that so but the fact that i now have like instead of 10 gigabytes free i now have like 80 gigabytes free that is a good thing too i agree i also i feel feel like psychically i've shut off a lot of clutter in the past week since we did that i feel as though that was a good thing to do yeah, I agree. The thing is, I haven't used a Chromebook since we did that. I've been, uh, I've got a bunch of laptops that I'm testing right now. So it's like, <sighs> you know, at the same time, you're absolutely right. I'm going to go back to a fresh new computer that's ready to use. Um, Smells like pine salt. Just just like when you check into a new, newly clean motel room. 
Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, yes. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we get back, we've got a lot of Google news to bite into. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Do you have a website? And does your website have a shopping cart, registration forms, or contact us pages? If you answered yes to these questions, then you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. That means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when cart checkout, forms, and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible, and if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use code MATERIAL at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of Material and all of Relay FM. Okay, so before we get to this little news item, I just want to make sure that our space is sanctified. <laughs> a little bit of lavender. <sighs> should I, should I be space. smudging? No, I don't no. think I have any Lavender sage. Lavender will be fine. Lavender is it's rejuvenating, it's calming, and we have to be calm going into this because even Google's engineers are confused about its own privacy settings. <laughs> so, uh, so don't feel bad if you've been hoodwinked, <laughs> bamboozled, and tricked yeah, exactly. into allowing Google to keep tracking you, even though you've turned off location tracking. Yes. Um, also, side note, I just wanted to test to see if my mic could pick up that spritzing. So <laughs> you guys let me know if you can hear it. Um, all right. So I, do, you this, know, I, I did buy yes. some fresh tarragon at the market like earlier mm. today because mm. I'm going to be doing a doing a doing some veal, uh, not veal, uh, some, uh, some me doing some pork. So I, I could like smudge with tarragon. I don't know if that's also spiritually cleansing. Um, I should know this, but I don't. OK. <laughs> I, I best not. I don't want to call down one of the one of the old gods. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to. You know, ugh, you don't want to do the wrong thing. Um, so, Google has some internal documents that came through came to light through the Arizona Attorney General's 2020 lawsuit. Uh, this lawsuit is claiming that the complex method for disla- disabling the location tracking in Android uh, is actually in violation of Arizona's Consumer Fraud Act. So I thought this to be very interesting, too, just because Andy had dropped a link to Arizona Mirror in our show notes. And I'm like, what is going on here? (laughs) This is what's going on. So in 2018, an Associated Press article, it showed that Android users had to do too much, much more than uh, other folks have to just to turn off location tracking. Um, Do we agree with this? By the way, just anecdotally, do we agree with this? No, no, absolutely. They 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 fixed it later on because it became such a big like 
media bombshells, as we'll find out later. I guess it but was. We ta- we, we, we it was a lot it of was, tapping. It was, a, it was a thing where uh, people were going into like the quick settings and saying, oh, location, I'll turn off location. Great. That's now, right. No one and can it wasn't really me. doing that. And then there was a – they had to be – oh, I'm sorry. I, that's, I can't believe you made that mistake of thinking that turning off location tracking turned off location. No, you need to go into settings and then go into sub-settings and then – shake the shake the phone left and right four times to get into developer mode then look for the sub menu that's called uh yeah. lights and Pull sounds down the sconce it'll open the bookshelf you walk into a yeah. secret room and back right. there is I mean, the there's, main there's, switch for location such a, exactly there's things that uh, <laughs> set deep deeply hidden settings that even when when you know like where to find them none of these settings would like oh add preferences or okay. weird things that so so that not only so that uh, it would continue to track you even though you thought that you had you had turned off tracking also things like well, you turned it off, but Android, for some reason, turned it back on again without really telling you they'd done that. And this was this really feeds into everything that we don't like about Google and why we tend to suspect them of things. Yeah, so this is from directly from the Arizona Mirror article, which we will link in the show notes. Uh, the documents show that employees were working behind the scenes after the AP story dropped to try to change the user interface to make it easier for Google users to opt out of location sharing. However, one unnamed employee, the Rose is, expressed their dismay about thinking they had their location tracking turned off, only to find out it was not. Uh, and I, this is the uh, employee quoted, speaking as a user, WTF? More specifically, I thought, in asterisks, I had location tracking turned off on my phone, the unnamed software engineer said in the release chat logs. So our messaging around this is enough to confuse a privacy-focused Google software engineer. That's not good. I agree with the article, an unnamed Google employee wrote in an internal email released Friday, along with other exhibits that are part of the state's case. Location off should mean location off, not except for this case or that case. By the way, I'm practicing my voices for when I start reading to Mona. Oh, excellent. Yes. So anyway, um, so that's um, disconcerting as as a user, as a consumer. At the same time, knowing the way that Silicon Valley operates and knowing that these are just workplaces as any other workplaces, I imagine that this probably had just something to do with it's probably just a complete lack of organization on somebody's <laughs> on a manager's part. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just the benefit it's of the weird. doubt here. Like I, I, I read the the legal docs that are available as a PDF, and there are more quotes. Like uh, quote the current the current UI feels like it was designed to make things possible, yet difficult enough that people won't figure it out. It's uh, it's. It's like I feel as though we are not very good at explaining this to users. Uh, there's also uh, the the uh, it, there it also had a little sneak peek into like what the repercussions of that AP article was that they had what this in, what internal conversations referred to an O spit. You may re- change the letter P to another consonant. A O spit meeting. 
the quote is your your name came up today during our monday morning quote oh spit meeting in relation to this story <laughs> said an email that went out to the entire google communications team quote both com and policy are looking for an update on where we are in terms of fixing quote location history can quote fixes and having one single place to turn off instead of three so kind of Kind of, kind of testy. I, 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 no, I would say an appropriately testy email because it's the people in the communication department that have to field all these requests from snarky reporters and snarky bloggers who are saying, why are you people such bastards? Can I have a quote in response to that? Like, it is the position of Google and Alphabet that Google are not bastards. We made some changes to reflect. <laughs> That's that, that's a good way to spoil a Tuesday for a lot of people when they find well, out that. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, these documents, they also shine the light on what was happening internally with Google's communications team. Um, and it makes it makes me feel bad. It makes me scared to ever have this position in my life. Uh, it's so much responsibility. So they were closely tracking how the AP story was being read, how it was being shared, you know, how how it was basically unfolding on the internet. And uh, one of the comments, we're seeing a growing narrative driven by third-party commentary, uh, parentheses, policy influencers, that alludes to FTC slash congressional action, parentheses, CNET, Vanity Fair, Wired. This will likely become a bigger focus as the week goes on. That's a scary email to get if you're in PR. Because it's like all this stuff is unfolding and you basically have to go out and do a lot of damage control. Now, I know that this story is very like internal Google baseball, but it it does bring to mind just as users like what is going on? What is going on behind the scenes? Is it is it like I mentioned previously, like a lack of proper management? Is it just because of the way that things were developed uh, initially that maybe those things weren't taken into consideration and it kind of you know look i gotta say it it makes you wonder what else is slipping in underneath like what else is getting through the cracks you know like what else don't we know about but of course um optically you see a google that's trying very hard to give us an android that is transparent that is <laughs> Uh, customizable that you can go in and tap on all sorts of things and it will open all sorts of secret doors to all sorts of secret things. Um, but I, I just wonder at what point do we all adopt the uh, the MO of the Pine phone that just came out, the one that has the physical kill switches uh, in <laughs> embedded into the motherboard of the phone. You can just go in and just flick off location. Now they'll never find me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, dip switches. You yeah. have to, if you dip have to have a, a paper unbent paper clip with you at all times. Yeah, this is this or is the why, back of an earring. Or the back of an earring. Sorry, I've never I've never had anything pierced, at least not deliberately. So I do. I've never had. I've never had the opportunity to use. So that those trick. of you who are imagining Andy with a giant diamond earring, no, he doesn't have any pierced ears. Also, so. once again, I'm a uh, I'm a freelance journalist in a rapidly collapsing market. It would not be it would not be a diamond. Anyway. I didn't say if it was real diamond. I didn't say it could have been cubic zirconia. But it's anyway, one of those Joan Joan Rivers collection things from QVC. Oh, rest in peace, rest um, in peace. But this, see, this is why. Like, if you uh, if you always ask me, like, do you think that it's a good thing that Epic is suing Apple or Sa- or, <laughs> or Samsung right. is suing Apple or whatever? I will always. This, you phrase the question in the wrong way. 
because I will always say, yes, it was a Straight very good thing video. that they're being sued because they're going to be there's going to be the discovery process in which exactly. all kinds of internal documents they're going to have to force to be forced to hand over. And we're going to see like actual engineers without the buffer of like PR and marketing discussing how absolutely bad their own products are and learning about what the decision making process is and why this was green lot greenlit and, and not or if somebody in a conference room even offhandedly said but wouldn't it be great if we if the users were to could turn think that they had location turned off but still we had access to all that valuable data like you know what I would like a, I would like an aggressive prosecutor in Arizona to <laughs> to adversarial ask them to keep giving them piles and piles and piles of documents for us journalists to distill and to inform our understanding of how things work or don't work at a trillion dollar company. I, I mean, it's listen, I know how Silicon Valley works, though. This is not just Google. This is all over the map. Of course. This is just these places are huge. There's just so many. Uh, not that it's an excuse, but just think about it at scale, like what we're dealing with here. Anyway, I imagine more stuff will come through. Um, yeah, in the, this the, the, actual, particular... the actual trial hasn't started yet, but yeah. already it's actually these uh, these documents were originally uh, 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 processed in May, I think, March or May. Uh, and they're only big news now because a lot of the stuff was redacted and now it's it's in plain it's in plain text. So. We have lots more toys to play with. Well, speaking of switches and switching things on and off, uh, here's the thing that Google has switched on for those of us who live in earthquake country. <laughs> so, and I, <laughs> again, this actually refers to earthquake country. So wherever there are countries that are affected by earthquakes, which with the onset of climate change, I mean, I know that earthquakes are really because of what's happening inside the earth. But I'm just saying anything could happen in this day and age. So um, remember a couple of weeks back, Google had announced that it had turned on the earthquake detection alert system, uh, that that was going to be coming to the latest version of Android. And so there's kind of like a two-part release to this particular feature set. The first is that in California, uh, so where I live, the system sounds an earthquake warning based on the state's existing earthquake alert system. Now, this is if you're if you live in California or you live in the West Coast, actually, I believe this might extend out to Oregon and Washington states. Uh, you go to shakealert.org and kind of uh, look up the details of that early warning system for California. This is something that we were trying to get implemented for years. Um, my understanding is that it's mere milliseconds, but basically your phone rings very loudly to let you know that you need duck and cover, which yeah. in some cases is really all you need because that point you were, you, you were there when the earthquake happened and I was recording with you guys. Like yeah. you just don't realize what's happening until you're like in it. Um, now for the rest of the world, the accelerometers in the Android phones will provide crowdsourced alerts and information about earthquakes. So, uh, this comes from Google. All smartphones come with tiny accelerometers that can sense signals that indicate an earthquake might be happening. If the phone detects something that it thinks may be an earthquake, it sends a signal to our earthquake detection server, along with a course location of where the shaking occurred. The server then combines information from many phones to figure out if an earthquake is happening. We're essentially racing the speed of light which is roughly the speed at which signals from a phone travel against the speed of an earthquake. And lucky for us, the speed of light is much faster 
<laughs> Thanks. That is lucky. Um, I, Gosh. <laughs> I just, I just sometimes, sometimes I'm just like, listen, I know you're trying to like, this is a great thing that we're going to put yeah. on your phone, but like, it's a little upbeat. Guys, earthquakes, not a thing, <laughs> you know, even the most minor earthquake scares the crap out of me and yes. can like keep me on my toes for days. Um, but this is all, I mean, this is all good news. It very much uh, is in a line with the COVID tracing features that they had launched earlier this year. And I'm just very much thinking about how this crowdsource data is going to become a part of mobile operating systems, how that's, who knows? I mean, in the future, we could be seeing a standardized sets of alerts across the world, which, I mean, we already have government agencies that do this. So this is really just a private entity that's doing it. Because again, let's not forget, it says that those signals that are triggered by the, or those signals that are, you know, the accelerometer catches on, um, will have to ping back to Google servers before it pings out to you to let you know what's going on. So I want to know more about those servers. I want to know more about that algorithm. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's, it's that wonderful Google combination of terribly exciting and terribly concerning because I, I mean <laughs> yes. it's as when i when i when i first when the, this blog post hit the google blog i'm like oh my god you're not going to put send me into a panic because your algorithm saw because enough people in like the la area leapt up and down and started jumping up and down when the lakers won the championship that you thought this was an earthquake because all their phones were jingling at the same time please don't do that to me um and as, as a matter of fact, it says that uh, the first implementation of this is not going to be used for alerts, that instead it's going to be just delivering data on the intensity, locality, mm-hmm. and spread of an event uh, so that – and this is, the, this is another odd thing – so that if someone does a search for earthquake near me or earthquake in San Jose, it will give you results that are collected through these uh, these readings through phones. Um, but it's it is interesting because – uh, maybe it will take a long time before this sort of data can be useful in uh, alerting people to an earthquake before more specific and uh, proven equipment uh, can actually get the word out. But enough data can be collected when uh, to tie uh, after an unknown earthquake to tie. Okay, well there was an earthquake in this area centered right here of this in, this intensity, and it was set off seismographs to this radius to this distance. Let us now look at the effect of phones in that area. And over time, you might have enough of a data set that you can see some sort of a correlation between this is what happens to phones when there is a for real earthquake going on in this area. Mm. Uh, it's this is this is the sort of thing that always makes me gets me very, very interested. The idea that um, enough to, that technology particularly through all these phones and watches that we're wearing can collect enough data that once we have enough of this data, it can be analyzed and correlations can be found such as we can't, uh, you're this an Apple watch uh, or uh, watches that have uh, ECG uh, readers and pulse meters. They can't, they can't save lives right now, but right now that could be very, very helpful in uh, like if, if, if I if I were to have a actually I'm not even wearing a watch but if if I were to drop dead of a heart attack right now that I'm I'm not gonna I promise not you, to do that why are you doing the stuff where I have to do 
Andy likes to say things where I have to do my crosses and like, okay. I know. I'm sorry. But if, if rand if random person were to drop, were to unfortunately be one of those heart attacks where it's the widow maker, you can't, okay. it, nothing could have been done to save this person. Theoretically um, speaking. Uh-huh. Theoretic, theoretically speaking, hypothetically, a fake person mm-hmm. that doesn't actually exist. It sounds even a little bit morbid, but if you had, just like you can sign an organ donor card that says mm, that if mm. I'm if my organs are viable, I want them donated to uh, and to people who can receive them and use it to enhance their lives. I wonder if it would be interesting to have part of the user agreement have something similar, saying if I should die while wearing this watch, I would like Apple to have all that telemetry of what my body mm. was going through in the day or two before this heart attack, and the fantasy being that. Over a number of years, over uh, enough thousands or tens of thousands of, of data sets to look at, there isn't something that says that will automatically call an ambulance for you. But there's something that says that this is odd. This might be something you should discuss with your doctor. Um, but of course, the uh, the flip side of that is that that's all. That's always the fantasy that we have about technology. And nerds like us are no less susceptible to me. If, if anything, they're they're worse about it. The idea that oh, technology can save us. Technology can be the solution. Technology can collect enough data. Um, I always I always think back to the time when there was uh, a mini boom of like full body scan uh, uh, offices where you could go somewhere and get like an MR something akin to an MRI mm-hmm, full mm-hmm. full body scan. And then a technician would point out, would would take you through like all the scans and point out any anomalies they find. And the, the dream being, oh, well, you see, I was I could have had a, a heart attack or a stroke in three or four right. years if this had not been spotted by my decision to go in and spend $500 for the scan. And uh, the medical community had two issues with this. Number one being that they try to minimize the amount of radiation that you your body intercepts over the course of one lifetime and an MRI, a full body scan is for for to, to just satisfy your curiosity seems like the waste of however limited numbers of exposures you get before you get health problems. But the other thing is that, uh, again, it's the fantasy that it'll say, ooh, you know, you have this, this, this thickening of this artery like here kind of near your heart. You might want to have that checked out. And the, you and the, the you find out that the, the the human body it's not like a Toyota Corolla. You can't like pull out the Chilton's guide and say, well, there should be a hose of mm. one eighth inch thickness going from exactly here to exactly here, and the routing should be exactly like oh, this. If only it were like a Toyota Corolla, then it really right. would last through everything. But anyway. Go to the junkyard every time you're feeling woozy and get a new, get a new spleen. Exactly. Um, but yeah, but that but that's that's what I'm talking about. Where it turns it's uh, it's tech, you, this thickening of your artery is technically abnormal, but there is no such thing as absolutely normal. And if it's not producing any symptoms whatsoever, if everything if all your numbers are good, your blood is good, your blood tests are good, your blood pressure is good, you're not experiencing any symptoms. Then that is an unnecess- that that is a needless piece of data that forces your doctor to uh, puts your doctor in a position where well now I have to order these really expensive and intrusive and in some cases risky tests because if you've told me that you're concerned about this art this thickening of this artery you know what am I to do to simply say don't worry about it and then just hope that everything works out okay but that so that's that's what I'm talking about it's uh, in the in my fantasy. 
it's like, oh, well, geez, if they're tracking all of these phones and they could find out that here's, here's, here's something that is happening to all these phones like right before every earthquake. But in truth, that, that tends to be science fiction instead of science reality. It's worth, but it's worth looking at. I think it's, it'll be cool. Well, this is exciting for either when we can leave the house again, or uh, if you're laying on the couch and you're just trying to fantasize about when you can leave the house again. So uh, there has been a big upgrade to Google Maps. And now this is just adding a little more detail to what is already, I would argue, a very detailed uh, map suite. So Google Maps now colors in map areas more accurately thanks to a new color mapping algorithmic technique that takes hints from satellite imagery. So for instance, uh, instead of Iceland being colored in as mostly gray with a couple of green regions for the forests, it now contains several shades to indicate low vegetation, dense forests, and icy regions. Fun fact, did you know that the Vikings uh, cut down all of the forests in Iceland and that the forests that do exist in Iceland have all been uh, human installed. So that's why they're so perfectly like square. You'll just drive by them. It's like, wow, that's like, that's just perfectly, you know. And yeah, it's because a human did it to try and bring back vegetation to, to a very pillaged, cold Vikings place. They they are. We need to remember this about Vikings. Um, so this new uh, update to Google Maps is also going to bring more detail to street information. So you'll be able to see more accurate representations of the shape and width of roads, which, you know, very helpful if you're walking, for instance. You want to know how, you know, much sidewalk you have. God, I could have really used that, by the way, when I was traveling a lot when I was younger. Like, yep. just to know, like is this really a walkable place? Because there's been a couple times where I would walk and be like, okay, the car is like right there and I'm in a country I don't speak the language of. So cool. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> this is, this is, they have some, they have a couple of examples of like the before and the after where you say, oh, well, gee, that's a nice like two lane road during a little country area in which there's that no action. And the, the after is no, this is like four lanes North and four lanes South with like Jersey barriers in the middle that you can't possibly cross through. Uh, and by the way, the curb cutouts, if you're like, if you're on crutches or if you're in, if you're in an assistive device mm. or uh, if, or even if you're just what the only places you can actually cross are like two miles away from where your hotel is. So if you think you're going to walk a half a mile from the airport to your hotel, that's not going to happen. Chet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this, I mean, these are all good features. So they're rolling out, um, they're rolling these out to London, New York and San Francisco first, and then they will be expanding to more cities over time. Makes sense that they would hit those three cities first. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of data there to work with, especially in San Francisco, which seems to be perpetually under construction. <laughs> That's always fun. So yep. maybe, maybe they'll also like indicate that now you're, <laughs> Given given our understanding of you, you're too poor to be walking in this neighborhood. Uh, you might be; they might accept you here if you look slovenly enough that you might be a CEO of some startup. Uh, it's, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad to see like Google. Obviously, Google's always making improvements with Maps, but I'm glad to see like they're doing visual things that things that clearly make it make it better. Um, I use Google Maps so frequently that I rarely even check in on others. 
Uh, Apple Maps is uh, gaining in leaps and bounds. It's a very, very good, solid. I rolled solid my map. eyes in real life, by the yeah. way. It's I'm not. It's, <clears throat> it's, it's it. not up there. It's not up there with Google Maps. But for someone who ha- maybe have forgotten to inst- <laughs> that, the first thing you do after setting yes. up your phone is install the real map app. You might get away with it for a long time. The, but the other thing is, there's been I've been uh, watching a lot of videos about the new Google, uh, the new Microsoft Flight Simulator. Which is just because everybody is talking about it, and they're like, "Hey, look! Here's the Pacific Coast Highway, and like, look! Here's my small town in the flight simulator." Yeah. And it's like, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's incredible. Like, there, are, you know, that there. I, I read, I read that there are a whole bunch of people who are like flying into the hurricane, uh, the, the, the that huge hurricane that hit the Gulf Coast uh, yesterday. Yeah, I know. That, I, I'm making a face just because it's like that's that's too real. Because I'm sure yeah. people living through the hurricane are like. Um, I, I do want to exactly. say just before Disaster tourism, yes. exactly before you continue, I just want to say that this flight simulator hype reminds me a lot of, um, do you remember the computer game vet? Yes. Okay. So I had it for Mac, uh, initially when I was a kid and it was, it took place in San Francisco. And part of the thing I used to do is I, I forgot what, like what function key it was, but you would hit the key and it would let you do free roam mode. And it, I could just like drive the vet, the Corvette through San Francisco. And I got to tell you, you know, for those being just polygonal buildings, like there was, they, they took some attention to detail there. Like they really mapped it out. You could follow the Golden Gate Bridge all the way down. Anyway. This well, is this is this see. This of. is this is why like there's a feature in uh, in the new flight simulator where obviously the point of the the point of the game or the point of the app is that you get into an airplane and operate the airplane and fly the airplane. Yes. But it also has uh, it also has a, a drone mode so that you can actually like have a what amounts to a drone that is flying independently. So you can like watch your plane as it goes from place to place. But you can also free fly the drone. And so some people have been just using it just to explore uh, the, uh, the 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 terrain of the entire planet as referenced by uh, Bing Maps and <laughs> and and, and the, the 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 quality of the terrain is really really good because they've been three D modeling mm-hmm. like all uh, they 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 get data from a whole bunch of different sources so that uh, unique buildings are uniquely three D modeled. Other ones, they at least have like map uh, and uh, uh, city data, so they can say, "Well, this is a boxy building, and it's about yay high. It should be higher than the one before it." And here is the texture map you should apply to it from the from the street view that we collected. Uh, and I, it just was uh, so. I kind of uh, after seeing that so, so uh, some videos of that, I did spend some time, like for the first time in ages, on Bing Maps last night. Just not not doing the not flying a drone because I I really wish that Google Earth had like the drone mode because it's one thing to like okay and I'm scooting forward now I'm scooting forward now I'm scooting forward again it's another thing to simply say I've got a free floating camera that can move through 3D space and I'm going to I'm going to fly to uh the the house I lived in ten years ago. And I'll be damned. That, that is that is exactly the view that I would have if I were sitting on that porch, like I used to, like when I was too tired to actually open and unlock the door that time. Uh, it's I, I that that's I, I really wish that Google would flex that way and give mm. us cool stuff that I just want to free fly 
the entire planet where I want to go. I want to go to London and like, because I, I haven't been there in like 10 years. I want to like reacquaint myself with what may, uh, maybe it is, does have something to do the with reacquaint. Yeah, exactly. No, the reacquaint thing is, is, is real because you, you know, before I went back to Romania a couple of years ago, I was very nervous about going back to a place that I hadn't been in in 10 years and it changed so much. And I wanted to see like, what do the streets look like now? Like what are some of the buildings like where, you know, um, this is all good, useful information. And Hey, I didn't actually know by the way that you could see the outlines of the wildfires. Yeah. They, they just added that re- recently after they, after they, they did the big blog post about the, the color map upgrade and, and the street information. So now they, they will give you the almost re- in real time, exactly the borders of where the wildfires are. Uh, and so we'll, okay. tr- it will turn up in Google maps. It'll also turn up in search. Just like we mentioned earlier that if you say uh, apparent, I haven't tried it yet, but if you do wildfires near me or wildfires uh, in San Jose, uh, it will show you what the what the nearest uh, what the nearest yep. places are. It does. So I'm actually um, it's showing me the one I have closest to me is the LNU Lightning Complex fires. Um, that for those who maybe have seen my social media, I had posted. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but it was a nighttime photo. Oh, I think yeah, we talked about this on last week's podcast. I was trying to do the night mode with the one plus eight, and uh, all that red was coming from the LNU lightning complex fires. And when you look at it on Google Maps, like how big it was, no wonder that it was like lighting lighting up the sky as much as it did. And um, I just have to say, by the way, today is kind of a clear day. Super thankful. Um, yes. That's partly why I, you know, had to go out and drop off some shipments because I wanted to just drive with my car, which I, you're in your car flow. How is that? Supp- Listen, just <laughs> bear with me here. OK, Uh, well, that's, I'm, I'm just going to check to see. So I'm in New England here. I don't know of any wildfires, but I wonder how far it'll go. It's it really bad if you go. Uh, OK, it's just showing me fire departments. So maybe I. Maybe that means that there are no wildfires near me. Yeah, I just zoom in and they were immediately yeah. available. And it's like it was uh, outlined by a dotted red. I can send the coordinates to my phone. I can share it. There's top stories related. They show you the approximate affected area. It was last updated August 27th at 2.24 p.m. It is 2.32 p.m. Um, Wow. Okay. All right. This this is good. This is how maps should be used, darn it. This is, you know, because sometimes Twitter isn't fast enough. News organizations bless them for all the journalism they do, but somebody's got to file that story and have it edited before it goes out. So, yes. Um, well, cool. Good, good job, Google Maps. Um, yes. Well, before we we let you go for the week, we got to we got to leave you with an after dinner mint, you know, something to kind of help. Uh, Help clear the palate a bit. So I don't know if you've noticed lately, but the weather frog on Android, it's wearing a mask. Now, Andy provided us with a screenshot in our notes. And I want to ask you, Andy, is that your screenshot of your phone? No, that's uh, not. A, I found that elsewhere, but it does. It does appear like right now I'm uh, to, well, to I was it going to, to say so. Here it's, is it's so, in the so, metric so, system, which we yes. Don't use. So, so here is like Froggy now wearing. So your every, Froggy every time, has every a yellow mask. Checked, has a yellow mask holding out. It is. 
It is indeed raining. It doesn't, you know, I was just about to say it felt like 64 degrees, but yeah, every time I've checked since then, I, I've, I, uh, I, I paste it in the screen capture from the place where I first heard about this. Cause I, I honestly, I don't use the weather app, uh, built in Google weather. I use, uh, wait, what's uh, your froggy doing? My froggy is like taking shelter under a leaf. Okay. My froggy is all wearing a orangey mask with polka dots and it is putting up the laundry ah, on well, the line to dry. 70 and sunny. <laughs> hey. I'll take it over what we've had the hot and smoke that sucked so much. <laughs> um, yeah. And also Yasmin Evgen actually tweeted a couple days ago. Her frog was wearing a mask, but was also surrounded by smoke because we had smoke around here. That was really bad. So that was sad. Um, and again, different. I like that the frog is wearing a different mask color on you know, depending on the animation. So that's kind of cool. Also, you, you have a, you have a different froggy than I do. Mine is like green. Yours is like blue and more bulbous, like a poisonous dark frog. Hey, you're right. I have a different frog than you. I'll, I'll screen, I'll, I'll screenshot. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. I'll screenshot my. Okay. Yeah. Without location data. Exactly. Um, I have to say, you know, this is something we've been talking about this frog a lot on all about Android because, um, one of um, my co-hosts is like really into the frog and which you should be. It's a cute, it's a freaking cute frog, but I really want to know the story behind it because it's, it just, let's have a weather frog. Like, but, but why, <laughs> why did you choose a frog? Who came up with the idea to have, you know, have it have all these different, I feel like we should be collecting images of it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to know. I want to know more about this frog. Um, kind of like, so. like stop motion. Well, no, I mean, I kind of feel like I feel like it's a it's a blind box toy. You know what I mean? Like you open the app to see which frog you have and then you take a screenshot and then you oh, know, you by go. the end of the week you have like 12 different ones or something. I don't know. I just like the idea behind that. See, this is this is I I, I love the idea of because every single idea at a company as big as Google, um, there's a certain amount of bureaucracy, chiefly because there's so many interesting ideas that mm-hmm. have to be sort of coordinated and managed. I wonder if there's a discussion of here's you no, know, we should because uh, people see, we, people see the froggy and we have the froggy that's like interacting with reacting to what the weather is. That's another piece of information we're sort of giving people, particularly people who maybe don't uh, don't read English or don't read this language. So maybe we should, if people are going to, so people are going to be looking at this froggy, maybe we should create auto, we should algorithmically generate a design, a brand mm-hmm. new frog that's unique mm-hmm. to every user. And every time they get Google weather while uh, signed in under that Google account, they will get the exact same frog and no two people will have there or be unlikely for them to have the same. I I'm kind of interested. Not now. I feel as though I have to like. You're right. I'm gonna have screen. I'm gonna have to screenshot this like every day just to see if I get the same froggy. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I am gonna. We have should to check. Call we, let's check in next week because I'm actually very curious to see the differences in frogs. So I think this will be something fun for us to do. So exactly. If I'm, I'm you know if nothing I, else. I'm I'm just thinking that there should be a shared Google Photos thing here, but I don't see one, and I'm upset by that. But I'm not going to yeah, let that well. ruin this this wonderful after dinner mint that we're having. Mm-hmm. I will solve the problem. For my brain is at least 
twice as clever as that of any invertebrate. Well, probably thanks. even more. <laughs> I just don't want to. I don't want to flaunt. I don't want to flex on the invertebrates. Hmm. It is raining outside. A lot of them are like now on the sidewalk and very confused. Yeah, and probably likely to get stepped on, which you're not. So you're yeah, at yeah, much yeah, higher yeah, up on the food yeah. chain. Or wait. Higher up on the food? Yes, higher up on the food chain. <laughs> I had to remember how the food chain works. <laughs> um, it's been it's it's been a while since I had to think about that. Well, thanks everybody <laughs> for tuning in this week. We really, really implore you to check out the membership levels at Relay FM so that you can tune into those bonus episodes. You know, the thing is, if you are a bonus episode listener, we want to give you more bonus episodes. So we would love for you to kind of tell us like what you think about the episode that we put out. We would um, we would love to get your feedback on that and any other feedback you want to send us that's constructive and kind, please. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I think uh, I think Andy and I are just going to Take it easy. Try and get some work done, you know, and um, try and rest. I'm, you know, I'm I'm feeling good enough about the amount of work that I got done today, especially uh, how good this episode of the podcast was. That I was kind of on the fence between just heating up a, a can of soup or going next door for a takeout, a takeout burger and door. fries. I think I'm going to get a yes. takeout burger and fries. Perfect. Protein, protein, vegetables, Perfect. starches, all of which are important for it. We're going to have a growing boy pasta. such as me. But um, anyway, anyway, we're ending the podcast now. Andy, what do you want to point people to uh, that you've been up to this week? Uh, as usual, um, we did. Uh, I did NPR a day earlier today. So certainly by the time you get this, you, you should be able to go to WGBHnews.org. Uh, go to Boston Public Radio and do a search for my name, and you'll be able to see. Uh, you'll be able to hear my twenty to thirty minutes on everything good, bad, and indifferent happening in tech. Uh, uh, you can also, of course, as usual, check out what I'm talking about on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Anatko. I H N A T K O. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for putting together the show notes every week, <laughs> and just thank you for being a great co-host. Uh back at you, flow. This would be this would this would be much less interesting if it were me speaking to silence. <laughs> uh, I w- I would pay to watch that though because and and, yeah. and, sh- and should I, should I hasten to add you're substantially an improvement on silence. It's not mm. as though it's mm. like the next mm. that's the next level up. It's I do see this is this is un this is unusual that we be, uh, timing today uh, this week worked out where. Um, I did NPR and then like a half hour to an hour later doing this show. It's rare. Uh, so we, d- I don't get the usual like weekly benefit, which is, oh, I haven't spoken to another human being in at least mm-hmm. a day. Great. I get to talk to Flo now. It's yeah. But the thing is that you couldn't warm up with me. You had to warm up with NPR. So <laughs> I, I got the benefit this and as week. As you know, they, they have a lot more presence when they warm up. Well, Andy, I'm not really sure that the weather today is going to be conducive to photography. Right. I agree. That's why I really did schedule that today I was going to spend most, if not all of the day, in the office. And and did you? (laughs) Indeed, I did. (laughs) 
Uh, oh man, I sometimes see. This is why you want bonus episodes from us because we'll just give you more of this. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I okay. Before we go, I want to also thank our editor Jim, who yes, just you, is Jim. great and flexible and wonderful and great. Uh, every wonderful piece of audio that you listen to comes from Jim. Uh, because of Jim. And as for me, you can go to florenceion.com for my living life journal. It's basically uh, my blog and my resume. And there's like a, there's a thing there. If you want to ask me a question, a bunch of you have uh, been warning me about some bad practices I've had on the internet. So I just want to thank you for emailing me about that. I went and I fixed some things. Those of you who emailed me will know what I'm talking about, but I don't want people to know because, you know, it's it's embarrassing that I let things slip through the cracks. But other than that, um, that's it for me this week. I think that's it from you too, Andy. That will be it for me. Okay. I, I am content in, in in what I have served today. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be content, but that's just a problem with my generation, <laughs> the millennials. So until next week, everyone, thanks for being here and have a great seven days. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.